Hello and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss privacy and security engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Faulkner, and today I'm joined by Ray Everett, Head of Privacy and Data Protection at Evelina Lab, and we'll be talking about the role of a privacy officer, how to think about finding and hiring a privacy officer, and starting a privacy program. Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. I, I, in many ways, I feel like my introduction hardly gave you justice in terms of your various titles and accomplishments. So why don't we have you expand a bit on your background? Who are you? What do you do? And how did you get to where you are? Absolutely. So I've been in the privacy and data protection space for about 25 years now. Uh, was one of the very first corporate chief privacy officers ever appointed uh, back in the late 1990s, sort of during the rise of the, the dot-com era and the use of uh, more consumer and individual personal data uh, for more automated functions and services. Uh, cut my teeth uh, working in-house uh, and doing consulting work for a big swath of the Fortune 500 uh, across finance, uh, uh, technology, telecommunications, healthcare, insurance companies, you name it, and uh, have built more than uh, probably a couple of dozen different privacy programs for companies. Everything from helping them hire their first privacy professionals for their team uh, to building out the policies and programs that they uh, that they need. Uh, right now, I'm working for a company called Avellino Labs. They are a genetic testing uh, and biotech company facing a lot of sort of the cutting edge issues of privacy and data protection in the genomics and healthcare space. And uh, they brought me on board to help them navigate some of the uh, rocky waters that they're facing as a uh, as a part of that cutting edge work that they're doing. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that they uh, are, are taking that very seriously, given uh, probably a level of sensitivity, the type of information that they're dealing with. They are bringing, bringing you in to, to make sure things are set up from, from the get-go. Absolutely. I mean, everyone is concerned about their personal data, but I think there is really no more personal data than your DNA, than your genome. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as powerful as that information is for allowing you to understand your health and your history and your ancestry, uh, it is also uh, deeply tied to who you are and can be used for a variety of purposes that may not be consistent with what you really want <laughs> <laughs> your DNA used for. Uh, and so uh, building out a privacy and data protection program uh, that uh, is focused on being able to do the cutting edge research that companies like Avelino Lab do, uh, but also protect the privacy and set the appropriate expectations with the data subjects, in this case patients, uh, is really critical to ensuring that patients are comfortable with what's going on and can feel confident that their information is being used to benefit them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned you, you know you've been in this space for now uh, you know twenty five years or approximately twenty five years uh, since sort of the the dot com boom and you're also I think known or have the 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 um, the, the title of sort of the chief privacy officer of the internet era. Where did this interest in privacy come from? Like, how did you kind of get started and, and find that interest and, and then build this career over this time? Yeah, when I got out of college, uh, I was working for, um, uh, actually it was a, um, <laughs> 
it was an immigration lawyers association. It was a bar association for the immigration uh, uh, industry and immigration community. And uh, I got roped into a weird situation involving some lawyers who were spamming uh, to advertise their services. And one thing led to another, and I wound up in this whole space of how is personal information being used for marketing, for advertising. Um, you know, this was the late 90s. So people were just sort of getting online in, in large numbers and starting to see lots of spam and starting to be concerned about how their information was being used for both legitimate purposes and illegitimate purposes. Um, I took some time in, in the late 90s to go to law school uh, and I was really interested in privacy. And at the time, there was one class in law school about privacy, and it didn't have anything to do with internet or data protection issues as we were starting to see them at in the early days of the internet era. Uh, and I realized, wow, this is going to be an area that is going to need to be fleshed out more. There's going to need to be a lot more policy and law made in the space. And uh, the deeper I got into it, the more fascinating I found the issues. And so uh, coming out of law school, went to law firm life for a little while, uh, helping companies deal with uh, Internet uh, uh, issues writ large, but always keeping an eye on the privacy and security and data protection issues in the space. Uh, and eventually wound up coming out to Silicon Valley to uh, join a, a small startup that was doing some really cool stuff in the internet advertising space. And uh, that's sort of, uh, that's where the, the, the rocket ship took off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you you kind of recognize very early this you know need that would uh, that that essentially the growing technology industry was going to require around like you know personal privacy management of data and and also probably from like a regulation standpoint. But there's still uh, you know I think we're in a place where a lot of work still needs to be done. What are some of the big changes that you've seen in the last you know 25 years? in terms of how we, you know, companies are essentially handling these problems or and maybe the, the level of seriousness that they take, the challenges around privacy. Well, I think the most important thing that I've seen over the years, um, and it was really led by uh, the industry itself, was recognizing that consumer trust was critical if you're going to be able to gather and use personal data from consumers. Uh, if they didn't understand what you were doing, if they didn't understand how you were doing it and why it benefited them, people are going to be very reticent uh, and uh, your reputation and the success of your products or services were really going to suffer. And so we saw a lot of early companies, uh, particularly during the dot-com boom and the early internet days recognized that they needed to get ahead of the data privacy issues and have a more proactive message for their customers, uh, for the, uh, the their business partners who are going to try and utilize those services and rely on the, the capabilities and the, uh, the, the power that uh, these tools were providing. And so uh, I saw very early on the opportunity to 
create a role within the organization that was where privacy and data protection issues could live. Someone who could be responsible for those issues, the policies, who could work within the organization to make sure that those policies were given life in the, in the life of the product or service being built. Uh, and that was responsible within the organization, sufficiently highly placed in the organization so that they had visibility across the company, across whatever was going on, uh, and could raise the alarm and be taken seriously. And so that was how uh, I helped develop what became the very first chief privacy officer role. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, working with my CEO at the time, we were able to craft this concept uh, of a chief privacy officer. A and within just a year or so from there, uh, went from basically myself uh, to uh, several dozen companies that had appointed chief privacy officers within just a, a year or two. Uh, such that a few years later, we were able to start the um, uh, a professional association of, of privacy professionals, which today is uh, called the International Association of Privacy Professionals and has like 80,000 members around the globe. That's awesome. Yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, obviously like privacy um, professionals, privacy engineering, you, you know, chief privacy officers, that, that is a growing field that mm -hmm. I think you know, more and more companies are creating these functions, but there's still a lot of companies. And I think in particular, a lot of people, you know, with engineering backgrounds that aren't used to uh, privacy programs or, or even entrepreneurs who started companies and they, you know, didn't have essentially that function. You know, speaking from my own personal experience, I went from being a founder where we were never, you know, reached a capacity where we had our own privacy function. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I joined Google that I worked directly with privacy en engineering teams and a Skyflow, a, a chief privacy officer. So for those of that are, you know, maybe listening and are interested in this space, but don't really know a lot about it, what are the roles and responsibilities typically of a chief privacy officer? Sure. Usually a chief privacy officer uh, sits uh, high enough in the organization that they have visibility across all the products, all the activities of the organization. Um, typically, a privacy officer will work with uh, the product teams to understand what the products are doing, how you're building or, or improving and evolving the, the products and services, to be able to make sure that you really understand how data is being gathered and processed and stored and used and what third parties are involved with that process uh, and how to make sure uh, that all of those pieces are consistent with your overall privacy policy and your privacy message. Uh, the, the privacy officer is also going to be working with engineering teams to make sure that all of those requirements are built uh, going to be working with your marketing and, and communications people to be able to convey that message, uh, a, a message of confidence and of clarity about your privacy practices to your customers or to your stakeholders. Uh, and uh, the, the privacy officer is going to be working with the rest of the leadership of the organization to make sure that all of the policies and practices are consistent across the organization, that they make sense for the organization uh, and that there's accountability across the organization, which is why uh, a, a chief privacy officer is a chief. They are uh, somebody who needs to have 
that responsibility, that visibility, and needs to have the expectation uh, that they are going to be taken seriously. Uh, otherwise, uh, you, you run the risk of privacy sort of devolving to whoever thinks about it, whoever is um, uh, sort of uh, aware of it and uh, and cares enough about the issue to incorporate it in, in whatever they're doing. Uh, there are a lot of organizations who recognize they have risk here, uh, and uh, the the evolution and the the maturity of that organization comes out in how they are able to uh, give life to that uh, as a piece of their overall corporate strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like they're you know it's a highly cross functional role working uh, you know essentially uh, you know being a resource to product, being a resource to engineering, and also setting up those processes and programs to make sure that, uh, you know, the, whatever the co company's essentially, you know, stance from a privacy perspective is actually upheld and also being a resource in terms of, uh, um, uh, expertise on what should the company be thinking about from a privacy perspective. How does the actual like function grow? And end up what's it end up looking like within a larger organization? You know who who's on the team? Does this end up being potentially uh, you know the the chief privacy officer ends up with a you know fairly large organization and um, as the the privacy program grows with the growth of the company? Well, it always depends on uh, how your organization is doing, uh, what it's doing, what data are you gathering, how many people uh, uh, are you gathering data on. If you're a consumer-facing organization with tens of millions or hundreds of millions of, of customers who you're gathering data on, uh, data is going to be a very important piece of your business and is going to necessitate uh, having some focus and some resources. So, you know, uh, an organization uh, like, uh, you know, like Disney or uh, uh, a, a major consumer facing entity will have a, a large team. Uh, a, a startup may just wind up uh, having someone in the legal organization who kind of wears a privacy hat until there is enough of a growth and evolution in the uh, in the company to be able to support having a separate privacy officer. Uh, the, uh, the the nature of the organization is going to dictate sort of the shape of that organization. Uh, you know, when I worked uh, for Yahoo many years ago, uh, we had a privacy team of about 12 people. Uh, they were actually, um, uh, un unlike a lot of organizations, uh, the privacy team was actually part of the marketing department at Yahoo, hmm. um, not because uh, not because it was seen as a marketing activity, uh, but it was actually seen as part of protecting the corporate brand hmm. uh, because there was so much consumer data, so much consumer facing activities. Their concern was that privacy needed to be uh, a core message of how the company uh, did its work and, and protected people's information. Uh, and so uh, it, it was seen as brand protection. Mm -hmm. But that's unique to that organization. A healthcare organization uh, may have uh, very different priorities, but will oftentimes need a robust privacy function in order to meet things like, you know, in the United States, the, the HIPAA uh, has both privacy and security components and has requirements that there be a privacy officer and a security officer in order to 
to have someone responsible for uh, enforcing policies and, and monitoring the activities of the organization. And depending on how sprawling your hospital is or your insurance company, you could uh, you could need uh, a, a team of uh, five, 10, 50 or 100 people. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, besides things like like HIPAA that kind of, uh, you know, give you some indicator that you, you or well, actually say that you need a, a chief privacy officer or um, and I realize that this question is, is going to be highly dependent on the type of company that the, that they're building or the type of product they're building and the type of data they're handling. But, you know, when should a, a company kind of be thinking about, you know, building a privacy function? Like what are those some of those like signals, I guess, that would indicate as, as a founder or leader within a company is like, OK, maybe I need to start thinking about building this out. I think the first thing is to understand how important personal data is to your organization, to your product or service. So if you are, uh, you know, dependent on uh, information about your customers in order to derive value, in order to uh, create products or services or to drive and, and feed the products and services, then data is critically important to you. Uh, and uh, and the protection of that data is going to be necessarily uh, as important or should be as important to you uh, as uh, everything else you do with that data. I mean, if data is one of your core business assets, uh, then it needs to be treated as such uh, and not just uh, how to maximize the value from it, but how to make sure that you continue to be able to utilize uh, and, and recognize the value of it. Because if you run into a major privacy or security issue that compromises the value of your critical asset, uh, you're, you're, you're toast. Uh, so looking uh, at how your organization values data and how important it is to your mission is going to be a key driver. If it's just an ancillary activity, if all of your data is only related to, you know, maybe advertising campaigns or something like that, then, you know, and, and your main product is tractors or, or, you know, airplanes or something, well, then your privacy issues are going to be a little bit different. Doesn't mean that they are not going to be important, but they may not be as central as if you're, let's say, a financial services company uh, who's, uh, who's looking to not just protect people's money, but also to leverage the information you have about who they are and how they spend their money to, to augment or, or to build out new products and services. So data, you know, you may be a, a fintech company, but you're really a data company. You may be an advertising company, but you're really a data company. Pardon the interruption, but it's me, Sean, the host, talking to you directly. I hope you're enjoying the episode. And if so, please subscribe and leave a positive rating review. You can also join the Partially Redacted community at skyflow.com slash community to make show suggestions, interact with me, other listeners, and privacy experts and enthusiasts. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, and I imagine that's more and more true for many, many businesses. I think many businesses now see one of their most important assets is the data that they collect and the value they can drive from it, even if it's not something that they're like, you know, as, uh, you know, selling that data, but they're using that data essentially to figure out 
what product should we build? You know, how do we deliver higher, higher ROI uh, to our business? How do we build uh, you know, new features that are going to serve our customers better? All of that comes from analyzing a lot of the, essentially the customer data that they're collecting as well as behavioral data of how the people are interacting with the product. Yep. And privacy and security issues can make that data radioactive and how <laughs> valuable is it uh, going to be uh, at the end of the day if you can't use it, if your partners can't trust the data that you're you're utilizing, sharing for their benefit or, or, or whatever the case may be. It's 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 a constant fight to understand how you're using your data, what value you need to place on it, and then how do you build policies and programs that protect the the value and the integrity of that data. Mm -hmm. So let's say that, you know, I'm a founder and I realize that I should hire a privacy officer or build out a privacy function, but I have no experience with it. And I just kind of know I need to do it. Maybe some advisor suggested, or maybe just from like reading things, I realize that I, I am, uh, I have a lot of this radioactive material that I want to make sure that I can use and protect. You know, where do I start? Like, how do I know what to look for in a potential candidate? Yeah, well, typically folks will start out by asking sort of the, the legal questions of their legal counsel. So they'll turn to an outside firm and see, you know, sort of our, our, our is what we're doing legal? Is what we're doing uh, meeting the the laws and regulations that, that apply to us? What laws and regulations even apply to us? Uh, and that can be your starting point for understanding uh, what uh, a privacy person needs to be aware of in your organization, what expertise, what knowledge set uh, they need to bring to the table. Uh, if you have, and, and as a we used to see a lot in organizations privacy being part of someone's portfolio already in-house. So maybe you've got a compliance attorney, maybe you've got, uh, you know, it's just a, a, a general purpose sort of utility infielder uh, attorney that's helping you with uh, everything from, you know, your, your business leases to uh, your day-to-day -day sales agreements. Uh, and maybe they're aware of privacy issues. Uh, sometimes uh, they are the best uh, source of, all right, here are our major privacy and data protection questions that we face. Here's the skill set somebody's going to need to be aware of. You know, going into like a, a healthcare organization, uh, familiarity with applicable healthcare privacy and, and uh, data protection laws is going to be very useful. Uh, you don't always need a lawyer, though. Uh, I've seen a lot of the uh, some of the most capable privacy uh, executives that I've met are, are not lawyers. They were subject matter experts in their fields uh, who you know deeply understood what that company was doing, the products and services, uh, and were able to learn enough about the privacy and data protection issues that they were able to become a, a privacy officer. So don't get in the mindset that, that you must hire uh, you know, an expensive uh, lawyer uh, type person to, to do this because you can often find uh, expertise uh, you know, in, in, in the subject matter and add the privacy expertise on top of it. Indeed, that's why uh, the um, International Association of Privacy Professionals uh, has so many training courses and certification programs 
programs to help people who are not necessarily lawyers uh, be able to sharpen their skills and understand. And that's another piece that I would add to it is uh, things like certifications uh, can help uh, an individual demonstrate their knowledge and skills uh, in this space. So uh, if you've determined that you want to have a privacy professional, uh, look for someone who holds some of those certifications, expertise in European law or expertise in uh, the technology uh, around uh, data protection issues or management of uh, privacy and, and data governance activities. There's certifications, there's uh, other experience that can help you uh, understand that someone's got the skill set uh, and has the, the capabilities to, to do this. Mm -hmm. and, what, and what do you think sets like a great privacy officer apart from maybe like an average one? I think the ability to translate uh, the sort of the legal and regulatory requirements into the operational activities of an organization to be able to kind of do that translation from what uh, a, a sometimes complex and, and obtuse law or regulation says and how to turn that into something that you could tell an engineer, all right, we need to build it with the following capabilities, the following features. Uh, that translation uh, ability is, is really critical and I think sets privacy, uh, privacy professionals apart from, from pretty much any other sort of policy oriented folks. Uh, and that's also why I think uh, relying on a law firm, for example, for your privacy stuff uh, is far less valuable and, and, uh, and somewhat problematic sometimes versus having someone in-house. Uh, law firms are really good at giving you sort of the state of the law and um, an understanding of, of uh, where regulators might be at any given moment. But you need someone who is really embedded in the organization, who understands your products, who can sit down with a product manager or an engineer and really sort of pick apart the details. And that's not something that, that law firms are very good at. At. Uh, you need someone who can sit down in that organization uh, uh, with the right people, uh, whiteboard stuff out, uh, and really craft a solution. Uh, and indeed, even if your privacy officer isn't a lawyer, um, they can help spot the issues that you could take to a lawyer and mm -hmm. get an opinion on some uh, finer point of, of regulatory risk. Uh, but um, what, what really I think sets folks uh, apart in this space is the ability to get down in, in the weeds with the subject matter experts uh, in your organization to craft a solution that is really closely linked to whatever the heck is going on in your organization. Yeah, I think, you know, that advice echoes a lot of what I've heard from other privacy professionals that I've interviewed on this program is, you know, they talk about how, especially from an operational standpoint, to do this right, privacy really needs to be part of not only the culture of the company, but basically baked into the product development process. They should be in those conversations at the beginning, but, you know, it's not a matter of checking a box just before launch with a, a privacy program to make sure that, you know, they're 
following the policies of the company or something like that. You you need somebody that's in there from from the very beginning to make sure that uh, uh, things are being done right. But it's also a conversation. It's not just about putting up barriers. It's more you know working with the product team as a as a colleague to figure out how do we do this in the way that is going to protect people's you know privacy, do the right things for our company, do the right things for our customers, but still allow us to build whatever it is that we, we're trying to build. Exactly. I think, you know, one of the most interesting things and and at some level, a fairly gratifying thing that I've seen over the last 20, almost 25 years in the space here um, has been uh, early in my career trying to argue to organizations that privacy should be embedded in their organization, that you need to work it into the product development cycles, into the engineering process, into the messaging from the organization. Uh, and to now see, you know, uh, back in, uh, you know, was it 2018 when uh, the European law, the GDPR came into effect, there was an entire uh, entire sections of GDPR talking about uh, privacy by design, how to make sure that you're integrating privacy into your product design and, and building process. Uh, to, there is uh, provisions of, of GDPR that said, you know, hey, you need to document these things. You know, we were always arguing, uh, you know, in the in the early 2000s that you needed to ha have someone focused on privacy issues and they needed to do, uh, you know, documentation around what you're doing and, and the like. And that stuff is now part of the law. So um, it's not just a good idea. It's not just a practical perspective perspective that you should have and something that a forward thinking organization um, is implementing. Uh, but stuff like privacy by design is literally written into the law. And uh, the expectations are that these processes uh, are uh, in place in your organization. Uh, you know, they don't always have to be, uh, you know, like I said, a team of 10 or 15 or 20 people doing everything. It doesn't have to be the most formalized structure uh, that you might see in a 70,000 person multinational company with, you know, billions in revenue. Uh, this can be something that a, a small startup can do. Uh, someone just needs to be focused on uh, the tasks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you're if you're doing it, you know, early and making this a priority, of course, it's it's going to help solve or like make a lot of the challenges that big organizations face later on when they try to do this, you know, very late in the stage because there's just going to be so many problems to kind of like try to get a handle on uh, mm -hmm. uh, once, you know, they're, they're potentially serving a large customer base with a lot of different data, a lot of different uh, technology and tools being used. If you didn't have that program in place, it's, it's, it's going to be a huge hurdle to kind of, you know, go through and audit everything and, and figure out what's going on and then put those correct like controls in place. Well, it's, it's super important to also remember that not only do you need to have your own stuff buttoned up, um, but you need to understand uh, how you're relying on vendors and third parties mm -hmm. uh, and uh, make sure that those organizations have their stuff buttoned up as well. Um, vendor management and the risk present from utilizing vendors and third parties uh, is uh, one of the biggest headaches of a privacy officer. It's a constant struggle to make sure you understand what's happening in those other uh, organizations that you're reliant upon. Uh, and anytime you're placing your 
reputation uh, at risk. Um, uh, but uh, it's it, it's scary. But if you're placing your reputation in someone else's hands, uh, you've got to really understand what risk they bring to the table and how they're addressing it. So being able to rely on vendors and, and third parties who have a compelling story of their own about how they're protecting data, how they're protecting your data, and how they've done all of these things, privacy by design, and uh, the messaging that they have around their policies and practices uh, can be uh, just as important and, and just a big headache for, for any organization. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, the challenges I've seen with, with some companies is that even when a privacy organization exists, they can often be kind of under-resourced and I say underappreciated. What are you know your suggestions or thoughts on how a privacy officer can work within an organization to prevent something like this from happening? Yeah, but, uh, privacy officers do not usually have very big budgets. Um, uh, they are oftentimes uh, left to sort of uh, uh, operate like a you know sort of like guerrilla war in an organization. You're 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 sort of begging, borrowing, and stealing other people's resources. Um, but um, the the good thing is that. Uh, I've always found that most organizations understand at a and and the, and the individuals understand at an inherent level uh, why privacy is important, why these issues are are problematic, and if you can raise them uh, in a in a compelling way to these folks, you can oftentimes get a little bit of time, uh, get the this on their radar, um, and so you don't always need to have. Uh, uh, you know, huge resources. Uh, but um, that said, there are tools and uh, and capabilities that uh, only come with having sufficient resources. So I mentioned uh, like uh, documenting your your practices, making sure you can understand your data flows and uh, how you're processing data uh, is is super important and requires. Uh, time and effort um, and can be made a lot more uh, uh, a lot more useful uh, and and scalable um, if you are using certain types of tools or you have vendors who give you the capability to see how the data flows are, what data is being used in what ways, and help you uh, to to document that stuff in in uh, uh, in consistent and up to date ways. I've always found that. Um, you know, an organization uh, treats privacy oftentimes a lot like they treat security in that you are paying for everything to be quiet. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't uh, you don't often you're not able to always assign a dollar value to the thing that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, security professionals have learned how to do that over the years. They've found metrics that say, you know, well, look how many um, uh, attacks we've uh, denied at the firewall, how many uh, probes we we blocked and rejected, or things like that. And the extent to which you can find those sorts of metrics to bolster. Uh, the value of a privacy program, uh, the 
the the better you are able to justify certain expenditures of resources. So for example, right now, most US organizations who have any sort of operations uh, in, in California need to be able to demonstrate uh, how quickly they respond to requests for uh, information from consumers uh, and how many times people have opted out and they need to be able to keep those statistics. And there are tools that uh, enable you to do that so that it's not a manual uh, you know, piece by piece process uh, and being able to show, all right, we've gotten X number of requests uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we could save X number of, uh, you know, uh, staff hours by buying this tool or, or um, you know, utilizing this third party service. That's the kind of metric that you can use to show uh, and justify certain expenditures. And what are your thoughts on sort of the, the future of the privacy officer? Do you think that they will get to a place where they, you know, own more budget, maybe carry more authority within within an organization? And is that something that's changed even in your own time in, in roles like this? Yeah, indeed. I've, I've seen uh, a transformation over the years from, you know, this being sort of uh, a, a task assigned to someone uh, to having its own uh, individual appointment like a chief privacy officer to that privacy officer building out a team of, of analysts and sometimes even engineers uh, to support those activities. Uh, I've started to see uh, a merging of privacy and security roles um, into sort of a more comprehensive role like a trust officer. Mm -hmm. uh, who's, uh, you know, who still has security teams and privacy teams under them and may still even have a separate security officer, a CISO and a privacy officer under them, but starting to see them roll up into um, kind of what, you know, what uh, Yahoo did in the, the, you know, mid 2000s with having the privacy role in the marketing function. They saw it as brand protection. They saw it mm -hmm. as, you know, it wasn't articulated as much back then as trust but you know you are now seeing chief trust officers who are tasked with making sure that your organization has uh, a, a a strong message around how you're protecting data how uh, you're you're honoring uh, the trust placed in you by your customers and your partners uh, and in turn uh, what are you doing to ensure that your products and services continue to live up uh, to those trust expectations? So that's where I see things going, kind of a merging of privacy, security, um, other sorts of data protection and, uh, uh, and data governance issues, mm -hmm. all rolling into this broader umbrella of trust. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you, at some point, especially as companies are storing and processing more and more data, you need somebody in essentially that really senior level position that's has essentially the macro view over everything that's going on and looking at this from holistically across security, privacy, maybe even other functional areas of, you know, what are we doing essentially to protect it? How are we utilizing the data? How are we um, essentially making sure that we continue to be a trusted company with the customers that we're, we're serving. 
Exactly. It, uh, you, you have to have someone at a high enough level of the organization with that visibility, with the ability to, <clears throat> to uh, shape and influence the overall corporate strategy. If data is um, that big a part of your future, you need someone really uh, watching the store there. You know, someone deeply uh, knowledgeable about what you're data is, how you're using it, and what your risks are and how you're managing those risks. Otherwise, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be constantly playing sort of a catch-up game, trying to kind of patch holes and, and keep things cobbled together. Uh, you can't do that and grow and scale and, and fly uh, you, if, if you're constantly sort of uh, uh, trying to scoop it all up and, you know, <laughs> and it's falling through your fingers. Mm -hmm. So as we start to, to wrap up, do you have anything else you'd like to share in terms of, you know, advice for companies that are thinking about, you know, investing in privacy programs or even for individuals out there that are looking to move into a privacy career? I do get a lot of folks uh, who uh, reach out to me on, on LinkedIn and, and anyone who has questions who's listening to this podcast, uh, feel free to find me on LinkedIn and, and, and reach out. Uh, there is a uh, an understanding uh, of the importance of privacy and data protection and people in all sorts of parts of the organization are recognizing uh, the issues arising within their part of the organization and are looking to learn more. And I oftentimes refer folks to the training courses and the conferences, and there's tons of free webinars and things to, to learn more about uh, privacy issues and not just the law, not just explain to me what GDPR means or what the new California law or the new law in Virginia or, or, or wherever, uh, but also how do I translate that into my world? How do I make that uh, law mean something in my product or, or, or my day-to-day -day engineering work? Mm -hmm. uh, and there's lots of resources out there. And for People who want to make that a specialty, there are lots of opportunities. Uh, the, there's a huge space right now in, in uh, privacy engineering uh, where uh, I, I, there's just a, a growth of kind of the professionalism in that space. People really understanding that we need to structure our learning and understanding of, of how to bring privacy into the engineering process. Um, and that's, that's creating a whole new uh, sort of track for for people uh, in, in the engineering space. And, and it's really, really cool. Uh, but I think that for folks who are looking to get uh, into the space, uh, there, there's lots of opportunities. And for organizations who are recognizing the need for privacy uh, and better understanding and a better grasp of how to manage privacy and, and data protection risks in their organization, leverage that curiosity uh, you know, have a, a brown bag lunch and find somebody who can come and uh, talk about privacy and, and data protection issues. And you might find folks uh, have their curiosity sparked and you might have a bunch of burgeoning people who are happy to work on privacy issues in your organization uh, without you needing to hire a 
you know, a, a new privacy officer right off the bat. You might have folks who are great candidates to move up in your organization uh, to to go beyond just being an engineer or a product manager into one of those uh, privacy roles that the, they 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 can train for and uh, and rise up through your organization. Because, like I said before, the some of the very best people in the space that I've ever met. Uh, are not lawyers. They were subject matter experts within their organization who learned the privacy issues and brought those uh, to the table. Yeah, I've met a number of people who've ended up in you know long careers in privacy that describe how their start is you know I fell into it. You know, it was essentially no, no one was doing it. They raised their hand at whatever company they were working for, and then those opportunities existed. Uh, luckily, the the company said, "Yeah, go you know own this, take care of this," and that's kind of how they how they started, and they were able to, to to create these careers for them. So I agree. Like I think within any organization, there's a lot of people who are, you know, just interested in the space and they want to learn more. And that's an opportunity to leverage some of your own folks to start building the, the, the or laying the groundwork essentially for these privacy programs. And uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, your LinkedIn, IAPP, I'll include those uh, links, of course, in the show notes. But Ray, I want to thank you so much for being here. You know, I'd love to have you back at <laughs> some time down the road. You have so much experience and knowledge. There's probably a million things we could talk about, but uh, thank you so much and cheers. I've enjoyed it, Sean. Thank you so much.